out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game. Welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline, powered by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Stevie Slapshot on Dana Lane from the Brian Blessing Studio. Beautiful Las Vegas. Home of every sports team in the world. If it hasn't happened now, it will. <laughs> so optimistic about the A's. I hope so. I hope so, Steve. Somebody's coming. It ain't. It, it's not stopping. Yeah, this is... There's a pot of gold here. And everybody wants its piece. Until the gold is gone. I think it's great. And you can't dismiss, and I know this is hockey, but just off the previous conversation that we had, you can't just dismiss 42 million people. And it's not only, you know, you talk about the A's coming and playing Detroit and people coming to see Detroit play. Well, it's not just that. These are brand new. I mean, you are turning them over on a weekly basis. Exactly. And by the way, the aviators, aviators average ten thousand, just under ten thousand a game. Fantastic. That's about what the A's did. Yeah. Okay, so the aviators at a Triple A level, in a beautiful park, in the right place of town, they draw just about what the A's did. So, yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic that this can work for sure. And I understand from his standpoint as well. You don't want to. No, I mean that creates a whole bunch of what nows if they leave if they leave Oakland. But I'm pro Vegas, and I like where this city has gone. I love the ride that it's allowed me to be on, and the more sports, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Follow the money. The money's here. They're coming here. One of the teams that the Golden Knights, after they get three three nothing win in Seattle last night, a, a must win. I mean, you could probably put that tag on everything now, every game now, especially upcoming when you have games against Vancouver, games against Seattle, games against Arizona. All teams that have shown that they could beat the big boys in the league, you can ask Colorado about that. But these are games they have to win. And I thought in between periods they they put it perfectly about the first period. It's a sleepy period. But sleepy doesn't always mean it's a negative period because we have seen, not just last night, but we have seen for four or five games now that once this team is starting to gel, this particular team, this Henderson Silver Knights slash Golden Knights team, and then you're adding in, you know, Martinez comes back, and you're not adding in five guys at one time. You're adding one in at one time. We've seen where they have made an effort to say, we are going to play well defensively. And, and last night, I don't think, off the top of my head, the Kraken got their, got into double digits and shots until halfway through the game. We've seen that how many times now? Where in the opening period, they've been fantastic. Uh, there's a better couple where I didn't think they had their legs, but still did not allow a ton of shots, allowed uh, Logan Thompson to have an opportunity to win on a nightly basis. I feel more than confident with him in goal right now. 
he is certainly closer to one than he is backing up, you know, backing up Brassois, who probably uh, may not see the ice again. I agree. They they needed him especially at the start, though. They they the Knights' defense turned the puck over a, a lot in the first five minutes yeah. or so. Yeah, first shot and, on that was, and and he made huge stops to keep him in the game at that point. And then and then and then the deep defense gathered, and then from from there they were fine. But, I, I just thought in the opening couple shifts, um, Seattle had a lot of room on the ice. They were able to enter the offensive zone quite easily turnovers but then you know I during the flow of the game I mean it was they tightened up they played the type of game that heavy four check game carried the puck pretty well did not allow cross ice passes into the offensive zone I don't know you know I mean we talk about Pete DeBoer a lot and what was it three weeks ago or two weeks ago you know there was some Social media movement to get him removed? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous what they've had to go through and where they are right now. One of the teams the Knights are trying to catch is the Edmonton Oilers, who are coming off a 4-3 shootout win against the Kings last night. The worst possible scenario for Las Vegas, but or Vegas, I guess, we'll say. But that's what happened. Let's welcome in Tom Gazzola, who does a pre- and post-game show for the Edmonton Oilers. And, Tom, talk about Todd McClellan, what he's meant to this Oilers franchise. And it, and it, it wasn't – it was pretty funny last night that I thought when you know, they were having a heated conversation where he didn't agree with the call and then they were celebrating his 1,000th game behind the bench. But talk about what he's meant to the Oilers and, and his ability to keep this team together when there was a point in the season where they just couldn't find a win. Yeah, it's been an interesting year all over the map here in Edmonton and uh, you know a funny dynamic between the benches uh, last night with Todd McClellan coming back to Edmonton and then his understudy Jay Woodcroft now at the helm with the club and and, you know nice thing from the Oilers organization to recognize McClellan for his thousandth game and he's sitting there yapping at the ref mad at them so he didn't even wait for the crowd when when the crowd you know cheering for him for what he did for the Oilers uh, taking them to the second round almost getting them into the conference final back in 2017 uh, and then I thought to myself I'm like well that's just Todd I mean the guy's a coach through and through and when you stick around for a thousand games in the National Hockey League you're doing something right and so uh, you know just a funny little moment there but uh, you're right with the Golden Knights you know people in Edmonton are watching the standings they're seeing what the Golden Knights are doing night in night out because there is a fear here in Edmonton that the Oilers and its shaky defense, uh, spotty goaltending, they let in the first shot of the game last night. It was Miko Koskinen who did it. There's, there's almost a sense like the bottom could fall out, and the Golden Knights are right there. I know the Oilers and the Knights are going to face each other one more time in a couple of weeks. Uh, that could be a pivotal game for either a playoff spot or to see which team makes it to the playoffs or doesn't make it to the playoffs. Uh, that's the beauty of the stretch drive, you guys. But, um, you know, coaching is a big part of that. And uh, Jay Woodcroft, Todd McCollum worked together for a long time. And both of them here in Edmonton. And now we're seeing uh, the understudy kind of trying to one-up uh, the latter who uh, did a good job while he was here. And you know what? He's doing a great job with the scrappy L.A. Kings bunch that uh, I know you guys know very well because of uh, the rivalry between the Knights and the Kings. So it's this is the beauty of this time of season 
And uh, buckle up, boys. That's the best yeah. way to put it. While you guys can celebrate an F1 race that's coming to your town, talk about everything going to Vegas. My goodness. I don't even, and I think this is the third time we've had one of these races. I think back in the day, even before me, uh, which I got here in, in 92, I think they had one that ran through Caesars Palace to give you an idea of how big wow. that property is. And then I think more recently there was one downtown, unless I'm making making that up in my head. But, you know, when you analyze the Oilers and the Kings and Vegas and the Stars, when you look at their schedule like we've all done a million times, I think, yes, you have an eye on, on Vegas as we have an eye on you as well, but I think we all have an eye on the Los Angeles Kings because of their injury issues and, and to see whether or not how that's going to affect them. And, and, my goodness, if we can get them out, we'd both be happy. I think everybody would be happy in that scenario. <laughs> I know here it's just a matter of getting to the playoffs, and uh, there's been some, some really wild stretches this year. The orders went like two and uh, 13 in a 15 game stretch right in, in around January. So people here are, uh, let's say tense and nervous and all of that. And, and the other thing that's popped up and it came up again on the post game show last night is that Vegas has what looks like an easier schedule than the Oilers to and, start for sure. Right, and and the Oilers have a ton of Pacific Division matchups coming up. They go through California starting on Sunday. By the way, they get St. Louis in here tomorrow night. That's going to be a tough game. Um, so that there's worry on that front. And then while the Oilers are watching the Golden Knights do what the Golden Knights are doing, uh, bouncing back, putting together wins, they're looking at Vegas' schedule and going, geez, that looks a heck of a lot easier than Edmonton's schedule. But that's natural for people here in the city, and, and that's why teams play the games. And it's kind of scary, too. When, when you look at the schedule and you're thinking, all right, this team's in a playoff battle down the stretch to, to get in, sometimes the scariest games are the teams at the bottom of the standings. And the reason why is they're, they're coming in playing loose. They've got nothing to lose. They're out of it. And they like spoiler uh, mentalities. And, and I say that because I worked for the Oilers for eight years hosting Oilers TV, and guys, I had to talk about the Oilers being a spoiler for all eight of those years. Finally, they've kind of turned it around, and now it's, it's the script flipping, flipping, and we're talking about the Oilers worried about other teams playing spoilers. So uh, weaker teams can be a, a, a thorn in the side at this time of year. And, uh, again, Oilers fans just being nervous about everything. They're looking at Vegas' schedule and not worrying yeah. about their – their own and that's uh instinct around these parts when you've been a bad franchise for the better part of three decades well tom i could tell you this i mean we looked at a few weeks back that schedule where we would you know the golden knights would go through buffalo and philadelphia and we thought okay uh, we like that schedule too that didn't work out too well i mean they especially at the professional level uh, these teams, I mean, we have seen if Arizona can knock off Colorado, we can see anything at any time. So you, you can't take anything for granted, although you love to see, uh, by record at least, you love to see Seattle and Vancouver and Arizona coming up. But, you know, like you said, you know, where you've been doesn't mean that's where you're going. And, and now you, if you're out of a playoff race or you know, maybe not mathematically, but you're technically out of it, um, as far as the perception is concerned, now you got a bunch of guys that are even, they're, they're waiting to prove themselves. And it's even, you know, it's it's funny because when you look at the time of year as well, you know, before the trade deadline, 
those teams are really difficult to play because it's almost like, you know, you have guys that are craving to get out of jail. And it is so difficult to play those ga- those games, and for various reasons. And now you have you know some clubs that are calling up some kids to see what they could do, and now they have a chip on their shoulder with something to prove. So every night is not necessarily a pushover uh, in the National Hockey League. But you know, push comes to shove, Tom. When you're looking at this, and believe me, I come from a perspective where I'm still not optimistic. I see the games in hand against Dallas. I've seen, you know, what they've what they've done and the appearances that they're certainly moving forward and the appearances that they're way better than they were two weeks ago. But they gotta finish this thing out. And yes, I look at your schedule and not only what you brought up, I believe you have an East Coast trip still to, to go. And then yeah. I think you play Vegas the night after you come back from that East Coast trip. It is and I and sometimes it just you know, my head hurts and I got to sit back and say, this is why I love this sport. And I'm glad the team that I, you know, follow and cover is in the Western Conference because we pretty much know the teams in the East. But I-, I can't remember, Tom, tell me if I'm wrong. I can't remember a year where there was such great competition. And I just sit back and I think, wow, I wish baseball was like this because there's no competition like this in baseball. Yeah, every single night something can change and and you're right if you drop your guard against a weaker team you might be kissing two points bye-bye it's happened this year Uh, if it happens at this time of the year Dana that's that's a big issue and I think it's a it's a testament to a lack of character for some teams so you can't drop your guard uh, in those games against uh, what we like to call up here perceived weaker opponents because uh, the Oilers have this tendency to play down to those teams levels but when you get into those matchups, like when Edmonton plays Vegas on the 16th of April, that's going to be big boy hockey. It's yes. going to be down to the last handful of games. That's going to be high intensity. You could basically call that a playoff game. I have a feeling both teams are going to be right there neck and neck. We'll see if L.A., with all of its injuries, can stick around. I know there's eight regulars out of the lineup for them yesterday, and, and they stick to a really structured system. That's what has also helped them stick around as well. But, but this is, is it's going to be a crazy finish. And then the other thing that's really made this year special, if you want to call it that, or, or different, is the schedule and how COVID has messed it up. And listen, uh, you can even point to Canada and the restrictions that were in place here that basically had every Canadian team postponing games for uh, about two and a half, three weeks. Uh, it really skewed the schedule and, and you know, put up some some false uh, perceptions about some teams because you had teams that were playing a ton of games every second night. And then you had teams like the Canadian teams just sitting around idle basically um, because restrictions were, were heightened again. So it, it has really thrown um, this curveball into the way we look at the way uh, these teams have stacked up against one another and, and kind of skewed it. It's, it's been a year unlike any other uh, last year at 56 games with, no uh, games interdivisionally was, was its own messed up scenario. And then that's on top of what we saw in the bubble here in Edmonton after that season was cut short. Bizarre, fascinating, strange, exciting. I mean, you could throw all basically any word at this season. It's all over the map, like you said. Let, let me ask you about a couple of players. Um, I'm looking at your offseason and kind of to the future here. I wonder 
What do you think they're going to do with Evander Kane? He's a UFA, but he's played pretty well up there. And also uh, with Pulley RV and Yamamoto, I, I don't know if it's time. I, I know there's some, I've seen some chatter about, hey, let's give these guys some long-term deals. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of skeptical about it. I, I, I'm kind of looking at bridge deals maybe, you know, for both of those guys. I don't know how well that would go over uh, with your fan base. But, you know, talk about those players and maybe their future with the Oilers. Yeah, the the one we'll start with is is Evander Kane. It's been great to see him come to this team, play really well, put up numbers, add a little bit of attitude and toughness to the forward group, swagger even. That's something that this team, um, the tough stuff, didn't really have. It was back down and shy away from scrums and, and get pushed around, basically. And Kane has kind of uh, taken away from that, and, and he's added a little bit of gusto to this group. But the problem with that is, we know Evander Kane's not a $2 million player, and that's basically what the Oilers signed him at, uh, prorated when they got him after his contract was voided by the San Jose Sharks. So Edmonton, like many teams, I know you guys are seeing it in Vegas, up against the cap. The Oilers, same situation. So to realistically bring in Evander Kane passed this year. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of situations there. A is like he's burned every team that he signed long term with and played multiple seasons for. Three franchises that's happened to. Do you really want to commit to him and go down that road again and take that risk? And then on top of that, you know, he's had his well documented financial woes, uh, bankruptcy, dealing with all of that. He's going to want to cash in. This is a guy in the prime of his career. And he wants to make bank. And I don't know if Edmonton can offer that kind of money to him, just given the cap situation with the Oilers. And if if they wanted to commit to him, they would have to sacrifice somewhere else and make room for him. So I don't know if they can do that. And that leads into Pugliarvi and Yamamoto. These are guys that need deals. The bridge deals, like you said, are probably the most realistic thing for both of them. At the start of the year, everybody was talking about Pugliarvi, how great he was playing, the numbers he was putting up. And, and talking about his next contract. Well, now he's gone quiet. The last couple of games better, but there was a good two-month stretch, which included an injury where he wasn't great, and he looked lost out there. And you're thinking, how much money is this guy really going to get? There's some people that throw out the analytics of he makes everyone around him better. Uh, the guys that he plays with, their expected goals for are much better when he's playing with them as opposed to when they're not playing with him. You know what? They don't give out contracts on expected goals for. They give out contracts for the numbers you actually put up, how many times uh, you contribute to lighting the lamp if you're the one doing it to, and, and he just hasn't been doing that that much of late. Yamamoto, on the other hand, started cold, is red hot right now, and he wants to cash it. He was mad he didn't get Joel Farabee money last year. He wants to kind of oh, work his tough. way towards that, and he's doing a great job. So... Um, Yamamoto's probably looking at a better deal than Pugliarvi right now, but bridge deals are more likely, and yes. I don't think you're giving them a ton of money because they haven't really deserved it yet, guys. I, I agree with that completely. Uh, last question for me. What is – I know, like, injuries is the theme of this year's team here. Uh, I think up in Edmonton probably goaltending is the theme. Uh, the question's there. What is your uh, – what is the answer for Edmonton when you're looking at Mike Smith, who is 40? I'm not sure about Koskinen. I, I – pretty sure he probably won't won't resign maybe i'm I'm wrong on that i'm not sure that Stuart skinner is uh nhl ready despite the fact he's absolutely crushing it in bakersfield right now i mean let me ask you the question this way when edmonton plays vegas 
Who do you expect the Oilers to lean on in net that night? And, and by the time we get there in a couple of weeks, it could be completely turned on its head, the situation. But facts are facts. Mike Smith has not been good. He's been hurt. He's 40, like you said. And they expected him to be the guy. That's why they gave him a, a two-year deal. He signed for next season. Mikko Koskinen, uh, the gift that keeps on giving Peter Shirelli's extension that he gave him a few years ago after he'd only made 30 starts in the NHL. I gave him a $2 million raise, and it's just been a disaster, a yep. lightning rod of controversy. He'll, he'll probably walk, but he is the guy right now. He's the guy giving them the best chance to win. And as of today, I would say, well, it's likely when we see the Knights and the Oilers play, it could be Miko Koskinen. He'll probably be still riding high. Who knows, though? Mike Smith might take the net over again. He's more of a money guy money goalie than the Miko Koskinen. And Stuart Skinner is kind of this up-and-coming budding star, and they're really hoping that Skinner could be the Thatcher Demko that the Canucks have or the Jake Ottinger that the Dallas Stars have developed. But it doesn't seem like Ken Holland in, in the hockey ops department wants to give him that chance and say, here you go, kid. The team's yours. Take it. It's your crease. Uh, there's some hesitancy there. And Why is got that? Two other guys dropping it well i think it's i think because the expectation is so high here in edmonton and and the fan base is loud um it, it can push guys out when it wants to i don't think they want to even risk ruining Stuart skinner who they think has a good thing going right now and it could be and should be the future in net for this team but isn't there um some discussion amongst the fan base, some internet chatter about they'd like to see Skinner get an opportunity. I mean, uh, you've already said that, you know, Mike Smith is not a guy that you're going to rely on. He's only the money guy in terms of what he's making. He's not a, he's really never been that lean on guy except for pockets in his career. I'm not sure that you feel comfortable with Koskinen. So is there a, a patch of your schedule where you say, okay, you know, maybe Skinner comes up and gets a couple starts. Uh, isn't the fan base, some of them saying, why don't you give this guy an, an opportunity? Yeah, they are simply put. They are. And I've been saying it on my show. I've been saying it on my station. Um, it, it looks like he's ready. It, it really does. And he's he got nothing like more to prove. Times. Exactly. Exactly. He had a shutout yesterday for Bakersfield. I know they want him to play well and play often down there. I'm one of those that says this guy needs to be up here. He probably gives you a better shot at winning more consistently than Nico Koskinen and Mike Smith right now. But every time we talk about it and discuss it and go off of what the fans are suggesting and wanting, it seems like the Oilers and, and their uh, hockey ops department don't want to go down that route. Like they get the last time Stuart Skinner started a game in Edmonton for the Oilers, he got a shutout against San Jose. That was the first Oilers shutout of the season. So I think he's proven his worth. Um, but there is definitely a reluctance to thrust him into the spotlight here in a crucial time of the season. It's a head scratcher, and we're all wondering when that time is going to come for him because we watched in the bubble Patrick Demko rise to prominence, and now he's doing great on a mediocre Canucks team. So. I think it's only a matter of time. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to be now for Stuart Skinner. Uh, if one of these guys, namely Mike Smith, goes down again due to injury because he's done it all season long, we might see that window of opportunity for Stuart Skinner to come up here and maybe, maybe take over the net.
Well, Tom, we appreciate your time. We wish you all the best and to you and the Oilers, excluding one game. And maybe we'll meet <laughs> down, the, down the road, hopefully in the postseason, and everybody will be happy. Oh, I would love that. Uh, road trips to Vegas, guys. You can come up to Edmonton. It's sure. not the same, though. It's fun, but not the same. Uh, I'd like to plan my trips around Eskimo games. Or it's not the, the Eskimos anymore, right? It, yeah, they switched to the Elks, but uh, that name is uh, very dear to people around here, yeah. and they like to use it still, yeah. Okay. Well, Tom, we appreciate it, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Dana. Up next, Jamison Coyle from the NHL Network will join us on Vegas, Vegas Hockey Hotline. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. 
STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. You surprised me, Stevie. A little sugar in the break. Appreciate like that. that. Right. Something different. Didn't know you. <laughs> you. Yeah, nobody's heard of that song. No. I love that. You said you said you wanted me to, to throw some in. I threw some in. That new song, Kick, is great. Well, I you, love it. It's catchy. I mean, you know, it, they're not winning any awards for their lyrical magic in that song, but... Great song, great video. And the one thing I love, when we're talking about Def Leppard's new song, um, the one thing I love about it is the the record's coming out at the end of May. It does not appear we're getting 10 singles before the actual album comes out. I, I miss the day, Steve, where you get one single, maybe you'd hear another one, and then the record would come out a month later. you get to live with these songs a little bit, and then the record would come out later. Video would come out on MTV, which you know is non-existent now, but you'd get a video. And the crescendo of all this, it, it, it'd be like, it would be a journey with a band. No pun intended. <laughs> it would be an absolute journey with a band. It would not be, hey, we're going to put out 10 singles and then the album, which you've already heard because we've already released all these videos and songs. It wouldn't be like that. There would be a process. There would be a uh, a system from first single to I just saw them in concert and maybe I'll see them a second time which would be great and in the meantime the record company would would you know back them financially with pr- promotions and or you know promote the band obviously because it was better for them but there's just no I just there's this dead space in, in amongst radio today this dead space of hey either we're gonna play pour some sugar on me or we're going to play, you know, the new song by Disturbed. There's nothing in between there. There's no, even on Sirius, who, which I love. I love that platform. There's no, hey, look, Whitesnake's got a new song. Where's that going? You've got to literally stumble upon it. And it's not like the days, and I, and I yes, I know we're sports show. Just give me a second. It's not like the days where you would watch the, the record climb up the charts. And you would track it for a year. Now it's all about first week sales. We're number one. Week number three, we're not on the chart. That's sad. You know, kids, I, I, you know, I got three kids. I look, I, I see how they treat music, Steve. They, they treat it as I'm bouncing from song to song to song. They never live with the song. They never live with the artist. They, they don't allow these artists to become part of their lives. That to me is, man, what a, again, what a magical time the 80s were. And, and we may never have that again. 
because there's not going to be an MTV again. MTV was the backbone to making all that magic happen. We talked about remote control yesterday, the show that you know basically killed all of that. So anyway. Welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane along with Stevie Slapshot from the Brian Blessing Studio in Las Vegas, KSHB 1400. I want to welcome in a another Syracuse success story from the NHL Network, Jameson Coyle. And, and Jameson, tell me what you thought of the Taylor Hall fine after somewhat sucker-punching Lubitschkin. And, and there's some people that say, Oh, that that's as wor- that's as bad as anything I've seen in the in the past. But boy, I'll tell you, I've watched this thing three hundred times, and I, I just yeah, he was angry, and I guess he had a, a reason to be because you know if that hit beforehand was any worse than it was, he could have been out for a very long time. I mean, that's just a hit that that angers NHL players, and I guess you just you don't want to set the precedent of going up behind guys and sucker punching. But I kind of I kind of get it, but. You know, it was nowhere near you know, some of the comparisons that have been made on social media. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, look, from an NHL perspective, they had to do something. You don't want to encourage guys right. to just come up when something doesn't go your way and, and sucker punch somebody in the head like Hall did. But I think the punishment fits the crime, so to speak, like five thousand dollar fine for for somebody like Taylor Hall making that kind of money. That is that is nothing. Exactly. And I think the league, yeah, just had to do something punitive. But yeah, if if there's something to take away from this, it was Taylor Hall could have been the one seriously injured in that scenario. You know, he was just crushed with a cheap hit from behind in a very vulnerable spot in a very dangerous position uh, along the boards there. So I mean, I I would like to think I'd react in a very similar manner that Taylor Hall did. And I think you know I. Look, I'm, those head injuries. It, we've seen we've seen circumstances throughout these years that some sometimes it's the little dings to the head that that cause guys to go down and whatnot, where it's not necessarily the the huge blunt force. So, do I want to see somebody ever down and injured like like we saw on that flight? No, but again, I, I don't fault Taylor Hall for for one bit for reacting in the way that he did. Did you think maybe the the hit? deserved a penalty to begin with or was it it was kind of 50 50 at that point I thought it was 50 50 but I don't know if you're trying to set a precedent about hey look we're gonna make sure that we protect head injuries that sort of thing to me it didn't look as innocent as as maybe it did on live tv yeah, no, I, I definitely think there should have been a, a penalty called. It was dangerous. You know, if it's boarding, hitting from behind, whatever you want to yeah. phrase that one. Yeah, I think, I think you, you know, those are the hits we don't want to see in the games. Those are the ones that cause serious injuries, paralyzing injuries, things like that, where a guy goes in and the neck is kind of in jeopardy or it's just a couple of feet away from the wall there. Those, those are the hits we're trying to take away uh, from the game, those and the head hits, of course. So, yeah, anything to deter those in any kind of way, um, absolutely. I think there should have been a penalty on that play, and I think because there wasn't, that was the reason that you got the retaliation, not only from Hall, but you know a couple of other teammates coming in trying to get the better of that situation as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it, they could have avoided that, and you know, I, I'm watching this thing, and not only did he not – I mean, yes, the intent was to punch him, 
but he didn't even land. <laughs> I mean, I think he grazed him with his thumb. I, I, you know, you have to do something because of intent, but uh, that was, to me, it was some people that were saying, oh, he needs to be, that, that garbage can't be, can't happen yeah, in the NHL. Yeah, there were comparisons to Donald Brashear out there and things yeah. like that. And look, I, I, I get it. Leafs, Leafs fans are, are very uh, emotional, and, you know, whether it's for or against what's happening to their team, I get it. They're in a, they're in a very high state of emotions right now with the way their team's playing, the goaltending situation and whatnot. But, yeah, it, it just seems like any incident, surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last, you know, couple of seasons. Uh, specifically, things things are very polarizing. And then you take that to social media, and it just gets completely blown out of proportion. So, and, and then you sprinkle in the fact that it's the Bruins. Who've... Oh, and then, yeah, it's that rivalry, right? right. And, I mean, the last thing Toronto wants to see right now is a Bruins win or a Bruins matchup come first round. So, yeah, anytime you, you involve that city against that team, and, yes, uh, things just seem to be uh, taken to the nth degree. Now, Jameson, I'm watching this Avalanche team who were playing without Nathan McKinnon. They go to Calgary against a Calgary team that has been excellent all year long. Uh, but this is a Calgary team that really wanted to show what they could do against uh, probably the top team or, or at least considered to be in a top three in the league. They, they were you know, facing an undermanned Colorado team. That is just not – you know, Colorado goes in there, and what a boost it must be for the Avalanche – to go into to Calgary and get a W, knowing that they, they got Calgary's best effort. Do you think that that McKinnon, Landeskog, uh, Ranton in line, to me, I think it's pretty close to the top line. Maybe Calgary would say something different, but pr- pretty much to the top line in hockey right now. Yeah, right now, and and probably for the last you know four or five years since these guys have been together, right? It's always been... Uh, that Colorado team versus the top line in Boston. That was kind of the uh, exactly you know yeah. the bar that we set, and you know we've seen that line in Boston at least for the last six months or so have been split up, just trying to generate some offense down the lineup. Where I think Colorado is a lot deeper down their lineup, especially with the way Nazem Kadri has played this season as a as an unrestricted free agent coming up. So I think Jared Bednar has the luxury of keeping that top trio together. And, and yeah, by all accounts, I think they are the top line in all the NHL. Just just with the firepower, the size, the skill, they've got everything. They've it's just the perfect complement for those trio. And I think you know a guy like Miko Rantanen is severely under. I don't want to say underrated, but underappreciated just because of you know Landis Gog gets all the praise because of his leadership and what he's done there in Colorado. He got to see so early in his career. It feels like he's been in the league for 25 years, uh, and he's still a relatively younger guy. Nathan McKinnon is all world. I mean, he is superstar to the nth degree with the speed, skill, and just how aggressively he does things, it seems like. Uh, a lot of other superstars are very graceful, whereas he's just – he gets those legs going. He's just it – just, it's an aggressive, and it's, it's so much fun to watch. And then I think like a guy like Miko Rantanen is just the uh, the straw that stirs the drink, just kind of meshes everything together out there. So, yeah, I would say definitely the top trio for me in the West and probably the top trio right now of all 32 teams in the NHL. And the fact that they're now getting one of the three back tonight, you know, Nathan McKinnon, I saw that news earlier today that 
McKinnon is officially going to play tonight. I was yeah. like, oh, my goodness, right? Like a couple of days ago, we're thinking, oh, here we go. Jared Budnar said, you know, his level of concern was high with regards to whatever that hand injury McKinnon was going through. He traveled all the way back to Colorado from Calgary. And now all of a sudden, just two days later, and it's like, nope, McKinnon's he's good to go. So here we go again. They I think they're back to the front runners, uh, not only in the West, but maybe to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I don't uh, – I've got to the point where I don't believe what anybody says. I mean – you know, we think guys are out, and then all of a sudden, Patch, oh. Patcheretti's and in, in, you know skating before the game. So, yeah, whoever is uh, you know taking rushes before the game, that's who's going to play. Uh, let me ask you um, a, a question that we just talked to Tom Cazola from the, from the Oilers, and I asked him this question because I think this is a guy that's an impact player, and I'm not talking about his past, and I'm not talking about his history. I'm talking about what he can mean to an NHL team. What do you think the future holds for Vander Kane, who is a UFA? Uh, this is a guy that has never had his talent question. He's been great for the Oilers. Is this somebody that Ken Holland might give along, you know, at least a three-year deal to? Yeah, I, th- I think with Vander Kane, it's, ne- it's never been a question about his on-ice stuff, right? This guy, and I think it's a big reason why he's still in the league right now, why he's gotten the only second, reason. probably a third. You're exactly right on that. So, if, if Evander Kane, and we've said this multiple times now, and, and it hasn't worked, so if Evander Kane can keep it on the straight and narrow and keep his personal life and his off-ice stuff in check, then yes, absolutely, he's going to get paid. Uh, there will be 31 teams other than the Oilers lining up to sign this guy because he's proven. I mean, he, he is a point-per-game guy since coming to the Oilers this year, and it's a big reason why they've kind of turned it around that along with maybe just some some average goaltending in net from Koskinen and whatnot and Mike Smith but yeah Evander Kane the hockey player tremendous and it's a big reason why he's still in the NHL today that's never been the question it's it's the off-ice antics it's the personality inside that dressing room rubbing guys the wrong way alienating himself and teammates and just kind of driving a wedge there it seems like everywhere he's gone every stop whether it's Winnipeg Buffalo San Jose Stories always come out about this guy off the ice. And, you know, that's it hasn't caught up with him just yet. But, you know, it just takes, I think, one more incident, and, and we might not see Vander Kane in the NHL anymore. But, again, if he can keep, keep it on the straight and narrow and just keep his attention to what happens on the ice, yeah, he's a tremendous hockey player, and, and he's got that old-school power forward type style that we don't have a lot of in the NHL these days. There are not a lot of guys – like Evander Kane out there. So there'd be 32 teams uh, lining up for his services, certainly UFA, if, if he can keep things going on the ice and off it. Do you think part of that is because of his youth? I mean, I think, what is he, 30, 31 years old? I mean, he's 31 years old, and it feels like he's been in the league forever. I mean, when he first broke into the to the league, you know, with, with Atlanta and then Winnipeg and even in Buffalo. I mean, we're still looking at a child here, and we sometimes we think about, you know, these players as, you know, guys that are just, you know, should be automatic and they should act a certain way and be a certain way. And, and again, not talking about, you know, his legal problems. I'm talking about what he means to the dressing room. Now that he's 30 or 31 years old, will be 31 I mean, does the maturity start to take hold? I mean, I remember there was a day 
where I was really anti Alexander Ovechkin just because I felt like he was an individual on the ice. I didn't think he was much of a team guy. But now watching the evolution of Alexander, I mean, that started to happen when he got older. And maybe, you know, we we don't really realize how young this guy still still is. Yeah. I mean, 30 years old, right? Uh, in normal society, that is a very young uh, human being. Whereas in the hockey world, I mean, this guy's played in the NHL 13 years now. So he is, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Crazy. And I, I, it's hard because a lot of these guys come in at 18 and they're thrown right into the mix. I mean, same thing, Connor McDavid, uh, you know, Austin Matthews, like these guys, we're, we're so, we're, we're hearing their names at 16, 17 now. So like, we're just so accustomed to hearing these guys that it feels like they have been in the league forever. But yeah, going back to Evander Kane, I mean, 13 years, uh, one would think that that maturity would have hit already. Um, I think going back to your point about OV, for OV, it was always about maybe changing the way that he needed to play for the betterment of the team to get that elusive thing that he hadn't had in his career, and that was the Stanley Cup, right? Becoming a more complete 200-foot player. Don't giving back, don't giving up on a back check, something like that. I think for Evander Kane, it's it, it's maturity, but it's maturity off the ice. Going back to our last point, you know, I think I think his game is fine. On the ice, this guy, like we said, point per game guy uh, since joining the Oilers. He's always been, you know, an elite offensive player in his 13 years in the National Hockey League. For him, it's it's very different than Ovi. It's that maturity, that growing up process, but that comes with the maturity off the ice, in the dressing room, learning how to be a pro and handling your business, things like that. And you know, 13 years in, one would think that he might already have that understood. But hey, everybody's different. That's and, right. You know. We get second chances. We get third chances in society. Um, you know, people love a comeback story. So if he can right his wrongs and, and keep it on the straight and narrow, then, yeah, I think his game speaks for himself. Well, Jameson, I, you know, I just turned 50. I've been with my wife 11 years, and she'll tell you right around the five- or six-year mark is when I started to mature. So, um, you know, <laughs> people do mature at different rates. I wanted to ask you about the Rangers real quick. You know, you have to give them a lot of credit. They they won two games in five days against Pittsburgh. And even more so, maybe you have to give them credit for their effort against the Wings. It would have been very easy for them to sleepwalk through that game. And, you know, Detroit, you knew were gonna, they were going to come with their A game after getting embarrassed. But how close are they to being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Because this little patch of schedule and what they've been able to accomplish. This is one of the things that I, I check off the box of they've got moxie and they can win in situations where, uh, where emotions may be at different levels at different times because of the teams they are playing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, in the big picture, are, are they cup contenders? I think yes, because of what their goaltending can do, right? Igor right. Shesterkin, and we've seen that in years past, whether it's Tim Thomas, 2011 with the Boston Bruins, Jonathan Quick for a couple of those cup runs with L.A. in 2012, 2014. I mean, you get a goalie who's playing out of his mind at the right time, and anything can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So the Rangers are going to be a playoff team. And then what happens after that, uh, you know, we don't know. I don't know if they're deep enough or have the maturity enough as as some of the teams like like Pittsburgh, right? That's probably going to be their first-round matchup in the East. I would probably take Pittsburgh right now in a seven-game series against New York just based on the fact that they've been there and done that, right? They have guys throughout that lineup that have been there, done that, where the Rangers necessarily don't have those guys just yet. 
I think this playoff run will help those guys get to that point, right? Uh, a lot of the analysts I work with that have won Stanley Cups and have the rings to prove it always say you have to lose to win. Like you have to, you have to go through it. You have to learn what it takes come playoff time. And I don't think the Rangers have that just yet, but, but I won't count out uh, a Rangers team when they have a guy like Igor Shesterkin because of what we've seen from some of these unproven goaltenders come playoff time. Matt Murray, two-time Stanley Cup champion as a rookie. Uh, Jordan Bennington led St. Louis on that miracle run. So going back to my point, like you have a goaltender of the ilk of an Igor Shesterkin who probably is going to win a Vesna, probably should be in the consideration for the Hart Trophy just the way this guy's played throughout this season. I, I wouldn't count this team out. Uh, from from anything short of a cup run this season. I think we'd be selling them short on that front. Hey, Jameson, uh, just on a lighter question, how much gas do you need on a plane? And do you not have a you know some sort of indi- indication when you have too much gas that's really going to hamper plan- plans for getting off the tarmac? <laughs> You've really- you read my tweets, haven't uh, you? I, I did. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. I'm like, that's I got yeah, too much that's gas a first in here for me. I've got I've gotten a lot of like uh, travel issues. It feels like anytime I try to you know take a trip somewhere, whether it's business or play, like something always comes up. And and I can understand the old uh, inclement weather or flight delay. But yeah, this was this was a first for me and my son trying to trying to get to Chicago for a Hawks game. Um, yeah, they we, we boarded the plane and then all of a sudden they made an announcement that we had too much fuel on board. So uh, next time, yeah, next time I go to the pump filling up my car and I pump too much fuel, I'm just going to, I'm going to have everybody just evacuate the vehicle yep. and we'll figure something out from there. I, I've never heard that one before. So go figure. Sorry, kids. You're going to have to get out. I have too much windshield washer in the car. We're a little top heavy, so I'm only going to be able to bring one of you home. So, Hey, Jameson, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been terrific. We've had a bunch of guys on from the NHL network and NHL radio network. You guys are all fantastic and we'll certainly talk to you down the road. Awesome. Anytime. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much. There he goes, Jamison Coyle from the NHL Network. Another awesome show. Oh, so good. I love these guests. All these guests are great. Marie, we fooled him again. One more day away from doing this for a month, which is so strange to think about. Once again, I want to thank Vince Boxignor from the RJ. Vince Contronio, we've learned from the Oakland A's. Sorry about that. I really, seriously, do a ton of research to make sure that I get these, but not with him, apparently. Tom Gazzola from the Edmonton Oilers, pre- and post-game show there. Jamison Coyle, of course, from the NHL Network. And, of course, our good friend Chuck Esposino will join us tomorrow from the Sportsbook Director from Station Casinos. Make sure you download the STN app this weekend. Tomorrow, Terry Gomez, uh, college basketball handicapping extraordinaire, is going to join us. Uh, he's very familiar to Station Casinos because he's crushing it over there in the last man standing contest. Uh, Vince Sapienza will also join us from Fox 5 on Vegas Hockey Hotline. For Stevie Slapshot, I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for everyone, or to everyone, for listening. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Have a great day. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The buck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game.
game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good 